as I said, we're doing this series in the Lord's Prayer as we lead into the holidays. And so we begin last week with our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And uh, each of those phrases has a specific meaning and important purpose. Today, I want to take the next part of that. Um, and uh, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord's Prayer is interesting. A lot of us know it. Maybe not everybody knows it. A lot of us know it. Um, I read this story. It's by Ken Davis. Um, he says a true story. Back in the 80s when the uh, uh, Chicago Bears had a real football team, um, <laughs> there was this guy in the football team and his name was The Fridge. The Fridge was a lineman who occasionally played offense and he was named The Fridge because he looked like a double-wide refrigerator. He was that big. And Mike Dicka, the coach, turned to him and said, Fridge, would you lead us in the Lord's Prayer after I get done with my speech? So he gives his pregame speech, and McMahon, uh, who is the quarterback, leans over to one of the other players, and, and it, he says, hey, look at Fridge. Fridge is sweating. Look at man. He's nervous. He doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. The other guy said, oh, yeah, you know, everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. He said, no, he doesn't. Watch him. He doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. He said, he does. And, he, and McMahon says to this other guy, I'll bet you 50 bucks he doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. Now, betting on the Lord's Prayer... may not get to where you want to go. And uh, so so the coach finishes the talk, and the story is, I don't know if it's true, but this guy tells it is true. The story is that he said, okay, Fridge, lead us in the Lord's Prayer. He bows his head and he goes, now I lay me down to sleep. (laughs) And (laughs) I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And McMahon nudges the guy next to me. He goes, all right, here's your 50 bucks. I didn't think he knew the Lord's Prayer. If you don't get the joke, you don't know the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) But it's okay, because we're going to learn it together. A lot of us know the Lord's Prayer by rote memorization, but we may not know it the way we think we know it. We may know the words. We might be able to recite it. But he gave it to us both as a prayer to recite together and also as a pattern for prayer. If you understand the Lord's Prayer, you understand that every aspect of life is covered in the Lord's Prayer. Everything falls under that. And so there are categories to pray about. So the first one is a reminder that who we're praying to is God Almighty in heaven who feels about us the way a father feels about his children. That's the first part. Your kingdom come. Uh, This is an important thing. Your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Now, so you need to understand, the Jews of Jesus' day prayed a prayer. And it wasn't too dissimilar from this, but it was distinct enough that it was significant. Here is the prayer that they might have prayed. Um, This is kind of a paraphrase, but it's pretty close. May God let his kingdom rule in your lifetime and in your days and in the lifetime of the whole house of Israel speedily and soon. So may God let his kingdom rule. So here's what the Jews are praying when they prayed this. They were living under oppression. God had chosen them as special people, established them as a nation. They had lived under King David and then Solomon, and they had turned their back on God. And in turning their back on God, they, they received uh, the consequence of turning their back on God, and they were overrun by other nations. And at this time, they were being ruled by the Romans, as we know. The Romans were pretty harsh rulers over them. They wanted to be under, out from under the Romans, and they believed that someday God, and, and, on, and they would talk about the kingdom of God or on that day. Um, that then God would come and he would overthrow the Romans. He would punish the evil. He would reward the righteous. He would forgive the repentant and he would restore things to the way they were supposed to be. 
And so in history, in a lot of faiths, history is looking at it differently. In certain faiths, history is cyclical. They believe you live, you die, you live again, die again, and you keep doing it until you get it right. The Jews, and therefore Christians, do not believe that, believe that, that history is progressing, maybe not in a straight line sometimes, progressing towards something, and that is the end of time or the end of days, that day, the kingdom of God, when God will overthrow evil, which entered into the world in the garden when Adam and Eve made a bad decision. It was Eve, let's be honest about it. And just check and see if you're awake. Just, I always believed that if they hadn't blown it, you would have. So anyway, um, uh, so when sin entered into the world, death Everything, the pain, sorrow, all the stuff that's bad about life entered in in the garden. And God will restore, he will reverse the effects of evil, and he will restore what he originally created, and we will live in this perfect place with God. That's what um, uh, many of the Jews believed. But they would believe, they hoped for it to happen someday, and that's what they were hoping the Messiah would come. And so when you see some of them worshiping Jesus, they believed that he might be the one to usher in that. And he was, they just didn't understand how, okay? So they thought it would come on one day, it would be by power, and that God would just come in, and he would bring the angels, and they would kill all the bad people, and punish the wicked, and take over by force. But there's an interesting thing, it was a little twist that the Jews didn't see coming, and it was that God would bring it in, but not in a single day. That God would bring his kingdom in, and yet it wouldn't be the way they expected. Now, check out this, this passage. So when we pray, your kingdom will come, we're praying in hope that that will happen, or maybe has happened. Let's talk about that. In Matthew 1.15, the time has come, he said, this is talking, Jesus talking, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. So he is saying that this thing they're waiting for has come near. Well, what does that mean? Here's what we find out in Jesus, is that the kingdom wasn't just going to come on that day, it was going to come in Jesus Christ himself, and it was going to come on that day. And it's not that it's not fully come when Christ dies on the cross and that we're forgiven, he's resurrected, so we have the hope of heaven. It has come, it's just not, well, it wouldn't be, it would be incorrect to say it's not complete. It would be more accurate to say it is not as visible. It is veiled. The kingdom is veiled right now. So, okay, that's getting a little weird. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, God has brought about a different kingdom, a different rulership. So, so I, I, if you want to know about, uh, let me tell you a little bit about politics. Anybody? Do you know what the best form of government is? A benevolent dictator. No, I mean, think about it. A truly benevolent dictator. If you could find somebody to kind of guide things that was perfect, that had no ill intent toward anybody, that had no animosity, no payback, no revenge, what was absolutely pure in their motives, absolutely all-knowing and wise, right? That's the kind of king or ruler we would all want, is it not? Now, we live in a fallen earth. There is no such government on the earth. And so we do democracy, which is the best we found, okay? And, and I'm, I'm a big fan of democracy as far as it goes. Here's what we're saying. When we pray your kingdom come, we are praying that that thing that has already happened that came in Jesus and is yet to be made completely visible, that that would become more and more evident. That God's kingdom, which is already in effect and already at work, would become more and more evident. How is it evident? It's evident in many of your lives. 
Some of you received um, um, not only forgiveness, but restored marriages. Some of you received sobriety. Some of you received all kinds of kingdom things. And in those moments, we get a glimpse of what God's kingdom is. And someday we'll fully understand it. God is up to some things we don't fully get our arms around because we can't fully see it. The Bible says we look through a a glass darkly. In other words, it's kind of a cloudy windshield. We can't quite see through it. But we get glimpses of his kingdom, which has already begun. It is here and it is yet to come. So when we say your kingdom come, we say we want your kingdom to come. We want people to know that you are at work and we do want your rulership. Your kingdom come. I happen to think Christmas is a great time to pray this prayer. Your kingdom come. Because I think, um, all right, I'll give you an illustration. A number of years ago, Cody and I and some other folks were traveling in Nepal. We, were, we have some partners that we work with there and, and that deal with some refugees from Tibet and some others. And we were there just kind of checking in with them and visiting them. And, and we decided to take helicopters out to Everest, out to Mount Everest. And so on our way out there, there is this little village where the trekkers come, because most trekkers trek their way through you know, to acclimate to the, to the um altitude, and it's called Lukla, and it is the most dangerous airport in the world. That's not just my opinion. That's read the list. Because you land, the airport begins at a cliff and goes uphill. And so you land from here going uphill, hoping you don't run out of room. Now, in a helicopter, you're okay because you just come in and you drop down. I don't think I'd ever do that in a plane, that, that particular airport. But we get there. We're going to stop off for a little bit. I, can't, I don't think we're refueling. I think we're just stopping. I can't remember why. And all of a sudden, the clouds close in. If you know about Everest and you know about the Himalayas, you know the weather is very unpredictable, and that's what costs most people their lives when they're climbing and so on. And so all of a sudden, the clouds drop in. So I decide I'll go for a walk, and I go down to a little village, and they have yaks there who are helping. They kind of treat them like pack animals to, as the trek go toward Everest, and I decided to examine one up close, and he decided to gore me, um, which I, he just barely missed me. How embarrassing. My husband died. He was gored by a yak. Anyway, I just thought, my wife will never forgive me if I die this way. So me and this yak are having a conversation and, and a negotiation, whether I can go forward on the path or not, and he's winning. And all of a sudden, I hear my son yelling, Dad, Dad, you got to go, got to go, got to go. So I went, okay, so we go running back up out of this little village, back to the little airport, and we get in the helicopters, and we just shoot straight up. Because what happened is all of a sudden the clouds had just broken up just the slightest little bit. I mean, it didn't feel like it was more than just a helicopter would fit through. And we shoot back up through this just one ray of sunshine up above the clouds and we move forward. And we ask the pilot, what was the big deal? He goes, well, here's what happens. When the clouds move in like that, if you see a break, you've got to go for it because you could be stuck there. And he points down in, into another little cloud bank. He says, underneath those clouds over there, on the other side of the valley, there's another little airport. And those people have been stuck there for three days. He said, if we didn't hit it at the right time, we wouldn't have gotten out. Here's what I love about Christmas. I think it is the right time for the kingdom of God to be revealed. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. I think there are times when just the visibility of the kingdom of God is more obvious than other times. And there's, in, in New Testament, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds for you, but here... But there's a couple of words for time in the New Testament. One is chronos, from which we get chronology. In other words, time, you know, today, tomorrow, the next day. It's chrono- chronological. It is predictable. It happens. Then there is kairos, which is not about uh, the uh, predictability of, of time. It is about opportunities. It is about opportune moments. When Jesus says the time has come, he means this is the opportune time. This is the time for the kingdom to be introduced into the world. 
I believe that Christmas is an opportune time for us to talk about the kingdom because at Christmas people have a sense, if not of the kingdom, at least of their desire for something like the kingdom. What do you mean? At Christmas time, I think people generally want to be better. They want to think of others, buy them gifts, think about others, entertain, do things. I think they want to be better and they want to be better to others, at least until they get to the parking lot. And then it all goes out the window. I think at Christmas, the desire at least for the kingdom, for a different kind of world, a world that is not motivated by selfishness, by sin, by brokenness, by retribution, by distrust, a world that is motivated by love, I think there is this sense that people have at Christmas that that is a better way to live. They just don't know how to get there. They just don't know how to break through. And I think at Christmas, we need to dive into that message as hard as we can. And so it's a perfect time to pray, your kingdom come. What is God's kingdom? God's kingdom is a reversal of the brokenness and the sin and the hurt that we've all experienced. And it is a restoration to who we were supposed to be as a people, as an individual, as families, as couples, as whatever. It is a restoration. It is reversing and restoration. I believe that at Christmas, the message is your kingdom come. You guys got a little taste of it, a little hint that we all want peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Guess where that comes from? An actual kingdom that's been been operating subversively. (laughs) See, there's two kingdoms in the world. One is one of selfishness that causes evil and pain. And the other one is the one of God in which we choose his will and his kingdom and we live differently and we behave differently. And this subversive little other kingdom that has grown over the centuries, it gets revealed just a little bit every once in a while. But the kingdom has come and is yet to come both. So your kingdom come. Can we actually pray your kingdom come? Could we do that? Can I say during the holidays, your kingdom come? And not mean it just in a, in, a, in, a, in a sense of, okay, God, I want your kingdom to come someday. You're going to take over the world. You're going to overthrow evil, and the wicked will get punished. And you're gonna, but what if I were to say your kingdom come even now in my life and in my marriage and in my family and in my community and in my job, your kingdom come? By the way, the first three petitions, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Those first three are not things we can do ourselves. Those are all asking God to do something that only he can do. Only he can bring about his kingdom. It's not me saying I'm going to bring about your kingdom. It's God, would you come and bring your kingdom, this reversal and this restoration, would you bring that even this holiday season? We pray that kingdom come. We're asking to reverse the brokenness we've all experienced, the hurt we've all experienced, the mistakes we've all made, to reverse that and bring a restoration. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy will be done. It's almost as if we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's almost as we kind of dread God's will being done. You know? Thy will be done. I mean, yeah, I guess. Here's what's amazing. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done is probably the most exciting part of the prayer. Well, maybe our Father's pretty exciting too. That we have a Heavenly Father who loves us that much. But, but if indeed we have a Heavenly Father that loves us that much and we pray your will be done. So my wife and I, have, we have a, a, a disagreement on how gifts should be given. I know you're going to agree with me. And um, so here's how Connie, Connie's extremely pragmatic. And so here's how she likes to believe uh, give giving. Uh, you make a list, you give it to each other, and you buy something on their list, right? That way everybody gets something they really want. And I think, 
Really? That's what we're going to do here? Hey, gee, thanks. I'll check off number three. Good job. Okay. No, 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 no. Here's what gift giving is about. Gift giving is you knowing me, you loving me enough to study me, pay attention to me, and know me enough to buy me something that I'm going to like. Moy's youngest son, I think I got this phrase right. Moy's youngest son, he said, used to open something. He goes, wow, I didn't even know I wanted this. <laughs> now that's gift giving. Come on. I'm sure we all have grandparents who used to buy us socks. I turned 12 and my grandmother started buying me deodorant. <laughs> Thanks, Grandma. That's, that's great. I had an uncle who bought me toenail clippers, fingernail clippers one time. He was just cheap, though. But um, <laughs> if we have a Heavenly Father who loves us unconditionally, how hard is it to pray your will be done? He's got stuff we didn't even know we wanted yet. See, here's what life deteriorates, too. If we don't understand the God's place in our life, we don't invite his will to be done. It deteriorates to me, I don't know, looking for something that makes me happy. What's going to make me happy? What do I want that's going to make me happy? That's what that list is. If I could just have these things, I'll be happy. The problem is we never get the happiness, even if we get the stuff. And so we've got to have better stuff and more stuff. So life devolves into this series of, um, I don't know, what will really make me happy, what I want, what I really, really want. No, okay. So it devolves into me seeking and looking for whatever it is I want that I think is going to make me happy. But the problem is I don't know what to ask for because I don't really know what will make me happy because I know what I think I want, but I don't know what I need. And when I pray, Father, have your will in the world, your will be done in the world, and in my life, you know better than I know what I need. Right? My grandkids think they need another 16 cookies. I know better. 15 is plenty. The reality is, when I pray, your will be done, I'm praying to a God who knows better than I know what I... Have you ever prayed for something and, and he didn't get it, and later you went, wow, I'm really glad he didn't pay attention on that one. Have you ever done No? I have. I have. I, I, lots of times. I look back and go, wow. That's why when I pray, I pray, God, your will be done. Here's what I think I need, but your will be done, okay? Because I, you know, I don't want you just taking my word for it. You know better. I'm going to trust you. Because your agenda and your, your vision of my life is much bigger than mine. Your imagination is much bigger than my imagination. Your insight into who I am and who I want to be and where I'm going is much bigger than mine. So I'm perfectly willing to trust you with your, your will in my life over mine. See, that's what it means to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I trust your agenda, your insight more than I trust my own. That's at the end of the day. And by the way, I also pray, my prayers, I often pray, Lord, my, my life is yours. Have your will in my life. And I pray it sometimes in a passive way. And then I have to go back and rewrite it because I don't think he just wants me to sit there and go, okay, do whatever you're going to do. He wants me to actively pursue his will as well. Your will be done, and I'm going to cooperate in every way I can. You're the one who has to do it, but I'm going to, I'm going to partner with you if I can, if you let me, in making my life, my world, my family, in line with your will. See, prayer isn't about changing God's will to get what we want. Prayer is about us aligning our will with what he already knows is best for us. Did you catch that? Prayer is not about changing God's mind. Prayer is about changing my will, my desires to desire what is best, which is what God wants for me. I know that to be true. I believe that to be true. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hmm. 
How is God's will done in heaven? They take a vote. Pretty sure. Second chapter of nothing. No, they don't take a vote. Well, let's, let's decide between three things. God, give us some choices. We'll decide. No, God just says, here's what needs to happen, and it happens. See, when we pray, your kingdom come, I want you to reverse the effects of sin and selfishness. I want you to restore us to who you made us to be. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, I choose your agenda over my own because your agenda will bring about your kingdom. That's more important than anything I got going on. And besides that, you'll do what's best for me as it is in heaven. I don't want... So I have a trouble, I have trouble sometimes with stoplights. Sometimes they turn orange on me. Sometimes they're not orange, they're just plain red. And somehow the message from here to here doesn't go fast enough. And I've been known to run a few orange lights. Because what should happen when I see that yellow light is I should what? Yeah, stop, right? It should be automatic. There shouldn't be this discussion that goes on in my head. I have a discussion. I'm sure you don't have this. Can I make it? I don't know. Can I make it? How long has it been yellow? I think I may. And by the time I have the discussion, I'm in the middle of the intersection, whether it's red or it's yellow or it's orange or whatever it is. I'm there. And I have the pictures to prove it. <laughs> I thought those were illegal. Didn't they, didn't they make those illegal at some point? I thought for sure. They, I, maybe I was just praying they would. Um, how is God's will done in heaven? Automatic. You know what I want to be? I want to be the kind of person that when I understand God's will in a given situation, I choose his will. Not my instinct, not my desires or wants or urges. I want to choose his will. That's what I'm praying in that moment. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in me automatically, just like it is in heaven. I want to do it out of a heart of love because I trust him that much. I believe in him that much. I'm so about his agenda more than my convenience and my comfort. That's how I want it to be. So I'd like us to stand together. We're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. And we're going to say it from the, the King James because that's how I learned it and I think it's beautiful that way. As you're standing, I'll, I'll mention one thing. There is an ending on this that you won't find in the NIV and some of the modern translations. And I don't know if Cody's going to talk to you about this in the next few weeks or not, but this ending is found in some early manuscripts, not all. More recently, the, the most uh, complete manuscripts they found, um, the Alexandrian family of manuscripts, if you will, from the 4th century, do not include it. There's another set of manuscripts from the same century, less complete, that do include it, but we're going to include it because it's beautiful and it's actually found elsewhere in Scripture. So let's, uh, let's do this together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.